Welcome to first virtual lunch with CK. I have my friend Anthony Kolova here with me. He's my first guest, so thank you so much for being saying yes to me. Absolutely, I didn't realize I was your first. That makes it that much better. I'm I'm honored. I'm, I would be I'm I'm honored and privileged, anyways. But how awesome is that? So the whole idea here is I want to have virtual lunches with entrepreneurs, smart entrepreneurs who have seen a thing or two about transitions, both in life, in relationships, as well as in business. Because I know that a lot of people at this time are going through major transitions with their yeah. personal life, economic life, business life, relational life, parental life, all of these things combined, right? So it's extremely stressful. So there, for those of you who are tuning in right now, Anthony is someone that I admire. We haven't actually met in person yet, but he's someone that I admire from afar, just, just based on who he's being, based on his experience as an entrepreneur. He's a serial entrepreneur who's built multi-multi-seven-figure uh, businesses. And, and recently, he actually just sold his last business, and he went on a world tour all over the world. And it wasn't until the coronavirus that actually brought him back to the land of the free. So welcome back, Anthony. Land of the free, home of isolation. And there um, you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy, it's crazy times uh, right now. Thanks for having me, CK. I, I, I appreciate it. And I also admire you from afar, from the Philippines, from Thailand, from Croatia and Istanbul, from Dubai. Yeah. I've admired you from Nepal <laughs> and, and back in Arizona before I left. And so I'm, I'm glad to be here with you right now. So there are many places that we can talk about because you're also an expert in macro diet. You just, again, right, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about right now. But I think for the people who are tuning in right now, whose livelihood, whose, whose home, actually, no, physical, physicality, financially, mentality, psychology have all been disrupted, shall we say. Yeah, sure. So as someone who's been through different disruptions of life, and as well as, you know, you literally just sold a business, so there's also a disruption there, right? Yeah. So what would you say um, is from, from afar? Because in my mind, actually, you know, actually, I would tie everything back to, your entheogen trip altogether. Sure. In my mind, what we're going through right now is a global ceremony. Not to make light of it, but to no, me. No, no, no. That, I think that's a really good take. Yeah. So, yeah. so to ceremony to me is you put yourself in a place where you willingly and, and, and you go through a very intense experience and you have, and through this experience, you get to see the truth of what you are and then the, the truth of what you're not. Essentially, yeah. your light and your shadow. And sure. then at the end of it, you have an option to, to choose what you want to do with that. And yeah. to me, this global pandemic, it amplifies both the light and the shadow. It, it amplifies the love, the compassion, the empathy, the willingness to help. And as well as the, you know, all of the, the, the most basic uh, survival instinct, you know, making others wrong, pointing fingers, blaming, resenting, sure. all these things. So then, then we have an opportunity to, to choose what we want to do with it. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. How would you, 
now that you have gone through a global tour, coming back to this, what's your mindset? I, I think you, you'd use the word transition. Mm -hmm. And tra transition is, whether it's transition or transformation, I, th I think it, it's just different levels. And I, I have been focused mostly on transformation for 20 plus years. I started my transformational journey when I, when I got sober. Um, I was 22 when I, 22 when I first got sober. And going from a, a life of, uh, of drug abuse, where I weighed 120 pounds, to a life of sobriety was transition number one, transformation number one, getting married, becoming a husband, another one. We all in life, we all go through transformations. We all go through these transitions, but not, not all of us transform as much as we could possibly if we were open to the idea. Many people will get married and they will just become a husband or a wife and they will be involved in a marriage without going through the actual personal growth of, of doing the things that is required to be a great husband or a, a stellar spouse or something like that. So I think it all comes down to how much we put into it and what our intention for, for going, you're putting ourselves in those situations to begin with. Now, some of these situations can be welcomed. We can willingly get married. Some of them are forced upon us. Whereas like for me at the time, it felt like I was being forced to get sober. When looking back, I obviously had a choice. And the choice was go to this treatment center and get, you know, do the things that they had me do or get kicked out of my parents' house and hit the streets. So we, we, we do always have a choice. And I believe that our power of choice is really the only power that we truly have in this world. It's, it's what is our intention behind that choice? And do we get, try to get the most out of it or we just try to get by? And I, I'm the type of person that, that tries to get the most out of most things, not everything. Something I'm still lazy in certain areas. I still struggle in certain areas. Some things I, I, I do for, I don't want to say the wrong reason, but I do them even though they're out of alignment with what I want in order to facilitate some other end for somebody else. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But as time has gone on, what I've come to realize is that if I don't show up as the most authentic version of myself, then I'm I'm just pretending and it, it, it connecting my brain and aligning it with my heart. It, it's a much more difficult path. And you talked about walking through the darkness and the light and whether it was my recovery or my first marriage and then divorce and then the personal growth that I had to go through for that or getting up the courage to ask my father for a $700 loan early in my life to build a business that eventually I sold for over a million dollars, whether it was recognizing that I was in so much pain by dealing with the clients and the customers that I had in that business that I needed to exit in a hurry to transition into the next phase of my life. It doesn't really matter what the thing is. If the intention is not there, if I'm not willing to walk through the darkness, if I'm not willing to acknowledge the darkness, then I have no chance of spreading light. And so hold on one second, hold on one second. So I want it. So you said a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Going through the different transitions. The first thing is necessary is the willingness to 
acknowledge the darkness? And by darkness, oh. you mean, do you mean the circumstances or the darkness within oneself? Well, I, 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 there's a, it's both, you know, and it could be any level of either. I mean, I, I've done a lot of work personally. I find value like, like you, CK, and just becoming an expert or, or mastering certain things that we are interested in. And so I've worked on myself personally, and there's always the personal darkness, like early on from the drug addiction, it came, you know, from childhood abuse, childhood trauma, pain that I was living with, following a certain set of behaviors that no longer served me, which probably did at one point, but now jeopardized my my life in, in the way it was, releasing those things slowly or as fast as I can, which was still pretty slowly, and, and getting to the point where I felt as though I had shed some of the pain and I had like gotten rid of some of the skeletons and lost a bunch of the secrets and like gotten closer to my true essence. There's that. And then there's also the day-to-day bullshit that we have to go through, which could also be darkness. The darkness of being in a job that I don't like or being in a relationship that is no longer loving or being, you know, stuck in some sort of situation that I create, I created or I inherited and, 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 and not will, being willing to walk through that. So the, the, I think the darkness, whether it's internal or external, I think the darkness is just as painful regardless. And the longer we refuse to look at it, the longer we stay in that pain. And the sooner we choose to look at it, the faster the opportunities come for us to, to transform into whatever, whatever's next, you know? And really it comes down to who we want to be. I, I can look at Burning Man. I've been going to Burning Man for a number of years now. And my first time I got there and I totally transformed my life. It was that transformational for me. It was that profound. And one of the things that, that I learned was like, have you ever gone on a vacation? And then after you get home and you're just like, Ugh. even if you love your job, Ugh. it's like, I'm not in Kauai anymore. I'm not in on this beach or I'm not in Europe, or I'm not doing these cool things, having these cool experiences, or I'm just not away from the stress. Now I'm back in the stress. There's these post-vacation blues that kind of set in. Have you experienced that? I think yep. most of us, most of us sure. have. And actually, the, way- vac- the post-vacation blues starts the night before I come back. Typically. It really does with yeah. the understanding of, oh shit, That's I got to right. go. Yep. It, here it comes. What I, what I came to realize after my very first trip to Burning Man, I was going through this decompression, this, I don't want to call it depression because it, it doesn't do justice to the people who were actually clinically depressed, but I was going through my own version of depression. I was, was trying to figure out life outside of Burning Man because it was so pr- profound for me that I, I felt, I felt sad. And I felt lonely. And what I, what I came to realize was that that loneliness and that sadness, that depression came because I had turned my back on something that was so powerful and, and, and so beautiful and so loving that I, I was not connected to that source of light anymore. And by turning my back to the light, I was then walking away from it into the darkness. But the darkness that I was walking into was my own shadow that was being cast by the light of me choosing to walk away. And then as I realized, it's like, wait a minute, I'm choosing to walk away because Burning Man only exists for one week out of the year. I can't live there. This is not a sustainable life. I can't be at Burning Man in the desert year round because it doesn't even exist year round. And then I'm like, well, that is kind of like a victim mentality because if I really do put some effort into it, I can carry the love and the light 
that I found at Burning Man. I can carry that with me to brighten my path. And, and the darkness that I'm walking into is my own shadow that's being cast from that. So why not light my path with the same light that I felt there and carry the, the lessons and carry the principles and carry the transformation that I received there with me in my everyday life so that my path is brightened. And then in doing so, I'm no longer walking into the darkness of my own shadow. Now I'm lighting, lighting my path. And in doing so, I'm lighting the path of others so that they can have a clearer path to walk as well. And they can at least maybe, if I do it enough, they can be to some degree inspired by the light I am casting and I am choosing to, to live by. And so ever since then, that's, that's what I try to do is I try to facilitate my light as, as bright as possible to clear my path and inspire others along the way. So that's just one example of transformation. And I use that now since then in every area that that little metaphor so how would you translate that story about burning man to what people are dealing with right now because here's here's what i'll say to this burning man or going through a divorce or losing a business or changing jobs or whatever it may be right or even getting married right there are major transitions that happens in life typically it's one at a time or maybe two at a time. I, I suppose when you get older, maybe multiple things at a time as you get accumulate a lifetime of experiences and friendships and network effects, right? Yeah. So as you get older, chances are it compounds over time. However, global pandemic, everything's happening compressed all at the same time. It's like Burning Man, basically. Everything is compressed yeah. into one thing, right? You're now stuck at home. You see your spouse a lot. You see your children a lot. You see you're worried about your finances. You're worried about the financial markets. All of the major transitions are all happening at the same time. So taking the lessons that you learn, the metaphor that you share with us, a burning man, how would you translate that to someone who's listening, who is thinking about doing some major pivots in their business, how would you translate that lesson to what's happening right now? Wow. So I am in the unique position where I am not as affected yeah. by this the right. quarantine. And, and, I've, and I've allowed myself to be in that space. Right. Had this happened six months ago, a year ago, it would have been a much different story. I would have been in much the same situation as, as most people that are out there, like worrying about their health, worrying about their families, worrying about their job, worrying about their finances and their mortgage, and even just putting food on the table during this crazy time. I think times like this, like start to show us what's important as people are still talking about politics, but there's a whole lot less of the negativity. And there's a little bit of, you can pay attention depending on your Facebook feed or whatever the news and who you choose to watch. There's some of that blame game going on, but at its core, people are really starting to focus on what's important. And so what I, what I would try to do is look at, all right, what lessons are, what can, lessons can I learn right now? Because the, the, the way that I think about it is if we don't, we grow by the pain as adults, like whatever pain that we're in. I yeah. So we learn, we learn by pain. And when we are, when we're stuck in pain, if, if, if we can pull the lesson from the consequence of our behavior and we actually understand the lesson, we never have to repeat the lesson again because we should have learned our lesson and never repeated the behavior that caused the consequence again. 
and and this happened this is how we learn as adults and the thing that is happening right now is is like you said there's like so much coming in on us that we have multiple lessons that we could learn we have amazing opportunities to extract from this if we're willing to learn the lessons right like we're this is really exposing a lot of weaknesses in our portfolios in our business models in our understanding of ourselves in our family dynamic in our in socioeconomic reality that it's just everything that is happening right now I don't know how many, it's nice to see this. It's nice to see that there's people that are actually like, thank you, COVID-19. Thank you for stuffing me into my house so I can, so I, I, I can see the lessons that are presented in front of me. Whereas before I was focusing on all of the external things on all the distractions on all of the shiny objects. Now it's right there in our face as to where the holes in our, in our boats are so that we can start plugging them. Now, do we choose to plug them? or not and and do we choose to plug them with light and love and energy that will move us forward into the next phase of our lives so that we never have to deal with the consequences of our behavior before we didn't know that we were delinquent in so many areas before we didn't maybe we didn't understand that we had so much to work on but now that we're stuffed inside for those of our that us that are quarantined and doing the the social or the, the physical isolation and the, the distancing for those of us that are actually doing it we're starting to things are starting to surface and it's how we deal with those things and whether or not we even choose to look at them do we approach them as a victim and say oh well it'll get better and the government's going to send a check and i you know then i won't have to worry about this as soon as it you know you know blows over or do we say okay this is an opportunity to I'm here with my wife. Let's let's play some board games. Let's get to know each other again. An opportunity to spend more time with my children. An opportunity to spread that light into the darkness of this moment. Whereas the darkness in my example was walking, turning our backs on the light. Right now, the light's just been shut off for many people. We have to spread that light in order to preserve ourselves and preserve our families and our, our, our way of life with the understanding that some of the things are not worth preserving. We're also going to be put in a position where we start to see some of the behaviors that no longer serve us. Some of the systems and processes that we have in place that have actually been jeopardizing us and that have been, you know, holding us back. And we, we have an opportunity to let those go. Now, not everybody is going to be able to jump into an entheogenic experience at home while quarantined with their family. So it, it, it's up to us to do the sober work, to, to live in this reality and to say, what do I want out of this reality? And how do I put a system or a process in place that creates predictable outcomes so that I can move forward, you know, as comfortable as possible, given the situation, we might not be able to get rid of the, the, the worry of debt and the worry of foreclosure or the, the bankruptcy. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on, but there are things that are that fall less in the area of distraction and more in the area of love that we can work on. And for me, love is the biggest point in the entire existence of my life. So I, mm. I would rather focus on those things that allow me to get closer to my family, get closer to my kids, you know, plug the holes in my, in my business, take care of my employees rather than focus on the things that, don't really matter because those things that don't matter now really don't matter later, mm -hmm. even though we were focusing on them hardcore before. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? 
It does. So let me do a quick recap. By the way, you don't know me that well yet. I'm that guy who will say, wait a minute, that's a moment. Let me underline why that is a, a thing that you said was profound. So what I heard you said is giving the lessons that you learn about impermanence, Burning Man, all that. First thing first is to recognize the shadow, the darkness, the tension within. Hey, I don't quite like this. There's a little misalignment. You know, I don't, I don't feel quite right about this. First, recognize that. Then look at the, the lessons, the possible lessons. What can I learn from this? Yeah? yeah. So that's the second thing. And then and in that, then you can take tactical steps to actually make appropriate adjustments. You make an effort to, as you said earlier, connect with my wife, play some board games, et cetera. Is that, is, is, is that what you said so far? Uh, yeah, that's it. And and I was going based off of a process that I've created in my, not in my head, um, that, that a process that I've created that I, I go through myself that I help clients go through. There's oh, more in, there's more in between each one, but yeah, that's the basic idea. That's, I mean, it comes, that's what it comes down to. Okay. Well, I mean, if you don't mind sharing the step by steps, at least well, it's, there, there's a lot of steps and it's there are a lot you, of steps. Okay. Yeah. But the basic idea is uh, number one, become aware of your situation. Be honest about what you're really working with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so basically what you can do is you can write a list of assets and a, a list of liabilities. What is going right in my life on one side of the page and on the other side of the page, what is going wrong in my life, you know, mm -hmm. and then get rid of the things that are going like the behaviors that are going wrong. They don't serve us anymore. What is going right? Move that over. And then it's like, okay, now if things were going perfectly, what would that look like? And you just write everything down and then you take the things that are going right and the things that would be perfect and they kind of cancel each other out as to the, those are the things that you're currently doing. Okay. What are the things that I'm not doing right now to create that perfect life? And it's like, okay, well, there's a list of maybe 10 things that are left. And then you prioritize, then you, you, you first, you list out the outcomes that you would receive by following each of those, um, behaviors or each of those things to the to the end and then you look at all of the outcomes that you get and you prioritize the outcomes in order of the most important one might be saving your marriage or one might be starting that new business or it might be getting funding for your business or getting vc money or selling off the company like what is going to give you the biggest impact right the most momentum possible from that list and then because again these are the outcomes this is not the behaviors you, you prioritize the outcomes that you get. And then once you know your top two or three outcomes, it's like, all right, now what behaviors, what changes in my life need to happen in order for these outcomes to, to occur. And then those behaviors get put into a process where it's like every day you start working on the small things and you can, you can do it based on, all right, which of these is like a five-year goal, which is like a oh, three-year or one-year or six-month. And what can I start doing today in order to facilitate each of those goals in order of importance and in order of possibility according to like the chronological order. Like what can I do today, you know, in order to, you know, and then it's just a matter of just like simple goal setting techniques and goal reaching techniques. But that's the basic idea. And it starts with awareness because if you're not willing to look at your shit, I mean, to go from a hundred thousand to a million dollars in sales per year, you got to have some, you know, understanding of business. And some understanding of yourself, but to go from a million to 10 million, you, you, you're going to change as a person. And if you're not willing to grow into the person that can run a $10 million per year or a $20 million per year company, if you're not willing to grow into that person and become that guy, 
you're not going to be that guy and you're not going to have the 10 or $20 million company. Or if you do, you were going to be so stressed out of your mind because you haven't physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially grown in the way that is going to be required for that company to excel. So every step of the way within business, there's going to be a, a growth spurt on an emotional level. And if you're not willing to look at your emotions, if you're not willing to look at your behaviors, how you affect others, how you've hurt others, if, you, if you're not willing to grow, then your business is, it's, you're going to have a hard time growing your company. But as soon as, soon as we start focusing on ourselves and our passion or our purpose or you know, any, any of that stuff that resonates with our heart, as soon as we're in congruency with our heart and our head, then there, the opportunity for growth is exponential. So I want to make it very tactical for the people who are watching for this. So rather than just listening for wisdom and principles, and then, then they had to take the time to translate into their specific situation. I wanted to make it as, as applicable as possible. So then they yeah. can actually take everything that you say and say, go, go try it, go experiment with it. Okay. So let's actually break it into the, a few different categories. Let's say someone who, lost a job, okay. they now need to go start a business. They, they have waited for so long to try something radical on their own, but now finally, this is the opportunity. They're being forced to go out and reinvent themselves, okay? So giving the framework that you just share, what tactical advice, maybe one or two or three, could you give them to say, go do this? You know, knowing everything that I know now, go do this thing to validate your business idea. Okay. So the, who, who I, the, the advice that I give would greatly depend upon the person that I'm talking to because somebody might've just quit his job as a stockbroker that has half a million dollars saved up in, in the bank for retirement and is willing to spend $200,000 in order to facilitate the, the next business, right? That person would get much different advice from me than somebody who just quit their $50,000 a year job as a, as a manager and wants to explore the ideas. So it really depends. Are they starting from nothing? Do they have something to fall back on or do they, do they not? How much do they have to invest? But re re regardless of that stuff, I think what's important is that it, we start with, with honesty about ourselves and what we're truly capable of doing and truly in, what we're truly interested in doing. See, people come to me all the time and they're like, what should I do? I don't want to work for the man. I don't want to wake up to an alarm clock. I don't want to have a boss anymore. I want to start a business. And the first thing they want to do is they want to invent something. And that seems to be like, what kind of product can I invent? And my, my thought is like, don't worry about inventing something new. Just do something that either that you know, that you love, or something that you're interested in so much that you're willing to dedicate your life, your immediate life to learning about. What do I know? Like, what am I a master at? What do I love? Or what am I willing to, what am I interested in? If you can stick to one of those three things, you're going to be okay. The problem I think happens a lot of times is that people will see a good idea, but they know nothing about that, that industry. I happen to be good at starting businesses in industries for which I know nothing about because I find industries that I am interested in. And then that interest fuels the momentum to keep going forward so that I can eventually master it. If I don't get to the point where I love it, though, I end up selling it. So starting, I think, with something that we absolutely are passionate about is paramount so that we start out in congruency. 
So if you want to start a business, if you want to take that leap and take that chance and you've done the research and you understand the risk and you know what you're, you know, you, what the possibilities are, start with something that you could see yourself doing for at least five to 10 years. If you don't think that you can do this thing for five to 10 years, I, I would say that you have no business doing it. So we, again, come write down a list. What do I love doing? How do I like spending my days? What do I, you know, if you can just do that, then you can start to prioritize things. And if you can prioritize the top three things that you love doing or that you're interested in doing or that you currently know how to do. For example, I had a friend who he's really good at laying tile. And he always wanted to start another business. And he'd be like, how about a popcorn company? I'm like, what do you know about popcorn? He's like, nothing. But I, I, so I'm like, look, dude, you've been doing tile for 15 years. Why don't you like step up to another level your tile game? Do you hate it? No, I don't hate it. Are you good at it? Yeah. Do you know how to do it? Could you teach others? Yeah. Then there's something there that will like, you're already on the top of the curve for that one. Too many people just try to like go in a different direction. It's like you might hate your job and you might want to start your own business. But if you're good at your job, then maybe you start a business doing what you're already doing and you do it the way that you want to do it rather than the way your boss wants you to do it. And then you find that peace in that thing as opposed to, you know, the resentment in that thing. So, pause. So, in my mind, I'm seeing a vein diagram. As basically three circles overlapping each other, something you're passionate about, something you're good at, and or something you're very curious about. Uh, so love, you're, you're very close. Yeah, something you love, something you know, or something you're curious about. And yeah. whatever that section in the middle is, right? you know, if you can, so, if you can nail that. Mm. Okay. That's, that's key. Beautiful. So, okay. So that's something that's, that's for someone who's starting from scratch. I think that's like step one. Yeah. And you wanted like three steps. So, oh, okay, go ahead. All right. Yeah, so step <laughs> no, two. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm going to make them up as I go. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So if once somebody knows what they want to do, the biggest thing that I think anybody can do is invest in themselves by investing in a coach mm. because if you sit back and you try to figure this out on your own, now that's what I did. I tried to figure it. It took me 20 plus years to get where I am. Right. And, and now I know enough, but I've also at some point had to start hiring coaches, really good coaches to help number one, get me to where I wanted to be. But other, number two, also to surround myself with somebody who, who was positive. I needed to create an environment of growth. I needed to surround myself with people who were doing better than me and had tactics that were better than mine and had a skill set that was better than the one that I had. So just hiring a coach and then going to these mastermind groups and being part of these communities where everybody is there to learn and to grow and to facilitate like your growth is so big. And like, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, but how many people do you know that, you have somebody over here that refuses to hire a coach because they don't want to spend the money or the time or they don't value it. They don't see how it's going to help them or they're just cheap or they're like strong headed. And then you have this guy over here who's like, I do know a lot or I don't, I don't know a lot, but I know if I spend the money on a coach they're going to, and then they go from that coach to another coach to another coach. And now they've gotten all of these viewpoints and they, they, they are supported. People are lifting them up. It, it just, the, the, the rate, the speed at which you make progress when you hire the right coach or coaches and join the right communities is, is absolutely incredible. 
and far too few people value coaches. And so I'm just going to say skip to the head of the line and get the answers to the test from somebody who's taken the test a number of times, right? Walk into that classroom already knowing the answers. And you do that by hiring a coach either in your field or just in, in marketing, perhaps, because when a lot of people start as, I don't like the word solopreneur, but when you start out by yourself, you, you're just hit and miss, hit and miss, just throwing shit on a wall, hoping something sticks. And you, maybe you take a course or maybe you take a class or maybe you sign up for a, a video course, or maybe you buy download a free ebook, but having somebody that you can turn to that has the experience plus their own community of people like you that are also in it, that have been in it for a while, is, is, is like, that's where I would go. The, the, the next thing that I would say that is super important, and a lot of people don't like hearing this, my, my coach, Alex Sharfin talks, my former coach, Alex Sharfin talks about this and taught me this. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, CK, and see if, you, if you're in alignment with this. And just if you don't sure. get this answer right based on his answer, then that's fine. But I just would like to see if you would agree with this. Who's the, who, in your opinion, CK, is the first person, first employee that you should hire? Who's the first employee you should hire? Now, I'm not talking a coach. I'm actually talking about somebody that, that does, the, does the work and gets granular and into the weeds, and they're the people that are doing the tactical things um, for you as an employee. Um, who is the very first employee anybody should hire? Wow. That's a really interesting question. Uh, I have a long answer and short answer. So I'll start with the short answer. The short sure. answer is um, I don't believe there's a one size fits all answer, honestly. Okay. The longer answer for me would be as I'm creating this business infrastructure, let me write down everything that's duplicatable that would actually provide a revenue outcome, right? And then I can then double down on what I am best at and then delegate out things that I'm not so good at. That's, that's my answer there. So that, the and that's, um, again, I'm not going to say that there's a right answer, but the answer that he gives, mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're not too far off from the delegation of, of you know, responsibilities, but it is a, it's a PA. It's what? A, P, a personal assistant. Ah, got it. By got hiring it. a personal assistant, we allow ourselves to focus on our own superpowers. Right. By having somebody make our food, by having somebody pick up our laundry, by having somebody pick up our kids, by having somebody pay our bills and do all of the things that we would normally spend time doing. Even if we have a spouse that takes care of some of those things that I just listed, there are always personal things that we are going to get caught up in doing because we've just been used to doing them. And the way that he laid it out was brilliant. He said, and this was, he was talking to a, a, a female entrepreneur in the group. She was a CEO, very successful, but she didn't want to let go of doing the laundry and making the kids lunches. Mm. She just had to hold on to this. And he reminded her, he's like, here's the thing. Children feel loved through time. When the parents spend time with the kids, this is how the kids understand that they are loved. The goal is not to have the kid, it's to not to do the laundry. It's for the kid to have clean clothes. The mm-hmm. goal is not to have mom make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and stuff it into the bag. The goal is for the child to eat food at school. Mm-hmm. But so often we assign a value to the, 
to the to the work that that is required in order to make the lunch or to do the laundry or to clean the house or to pick them up from school and that's not the goal that satisfies something in us but it doesn't satisfy the child and so if you can separate those needs and say what's important for the kid the it's you know hire a nanny let the nanny make the food let the nanny pick the kid up from school let the nanny do the laundry and now because i'm not doing laundry i'm not making i'm not running around you know in the car being a chauffeur and i'm, I'm not making the lunches and i'm not doing the grocery shopping and i'm not doing all of these things that i would normally do i've cleared up 20 freaking hours per week 10 of those can go back to my kids 10 hours that they never had before with mom or with dad can now go to the kids which since kids know that time equals love, now the kids feel more loved, right? And I've also picked up 10 hours of focus on my business. So, okay. So I wanted to get to step three, then we can get to another current business owner. So what would be the step three? So step one, self-awareness. Step two, what was it? Hire a coach, surround yourself with that's right. That's right. Thank you. And then step three for someone who's starting out is? Uh, step three, I think it, they all start to become like kind of even there's so many other things that we could focus on now. Sure. I think, I, I, I think too many people stop trying to grow mentally, emotionally, they give up self-care in the name of I'm, I'm busy and I've got to grind, you know? So, so many people start grind. Yep. There you go. <laughs> um, so many, so many people stop or start grinding in it. They, they, you know, I like Gary Vee. I think he's got a lot of good stuff, but I also think that the things that he says can, can in some cases be damaging because so many people feel like I've got to neglect my kids. I've got to neglect my, my sleep. I've got to neglect my nutrition, my exercise, because I need to grind so hard on this seven days a week that it, be, it consumes me. And so many people do that, even if they're not following Gary Vee, like they, they just start doing so much that, that the self-care and the personal growth, it goes out the window. And if, if people can remember that by focusing on themselves, by putting themselves as a priority, they will get more downloads from the universe or from God. They will be less stressed out. They will have less turbulence, less pressure and noise in their life. And, and as, all we, as we all know, when we, we reduce the stress, it uncovers things that are hidden by the stress. The more stress we have in our life, the harder everything becomes. So if we can take care of ourselves, the journaling, gratitude list, Epsom salt, salt bath, proper hydration, proper nutrition, exercise, you know, doing positive affirmations, doing all of these little things that might seem kind of quirky and new age, but if we can do them, we substantially lower our stress, which makes everything easier. And if you're going to be starting a, a business where you have money going out, uncertainty as to how money is coming in, uh, lack of predictability because you have lack of processes, lowering your stress is going to immediately put you in a space of momentum as opposed to a space of distraction. For and sure. so I, I think this could be number one. Maybe, maybe lowering stress and like creating systems of self-care should be number one before anything. I, I don't know, but it, I, I think if people can focus on that, it sets them up to do everything better. And um, this is one of those things that's so paramount. It, it should not be forgotten about, not be dismissed, not be reduced. It, it, needs to, it needs to be prioritized. That might not be a super tactical thing. Like you want tactical, start brushing your teeth with the opposite hand.
that's tactical. If you start brushing your teeth with the opposite hand every day, that you send new signals through your brain that says you're doing something different. There's a risk there. You might jab your gums. You're not going to kill yourself, but you're doing something different every day. And then now you're rewiring your brain for success. Then start making your bed every day. Then take a different route to work in your car every day. Then hang a picture upside down in your house as a reminder. Some of these you know, I don't like biohacking, neuroplasticity, some of these neuroplasticity things, some of these NLP tricks that we can do to like get to the point where we're starting to rewire our brain and move forward in a different direction. Do that with self-care and it's game over. I mean, one thing I want to say about self-care, everything you said, absolutely correct. On the psychological level, if you're looking for more certainty in an uncertain time, Self-care is one of the most direct ways you can get more certainty, right? Making your bed. For sure, you know that <laughs> you're going to get a more pristine physical space. Exercising. For sure, you know that you're going to get more energy from that. Eating well. For sure, you know that you're going to get more ex uh, energy from that. It's a very direct, very immediate, instant gratification kind of thing. So to me, psychologically, even if you just make it as all right, let me do self-care so it can have more certainty. That's a very easy trade, right? Well, it, it, the benefit is so great that it, should, it seems like it's easy. But the problem is, is that when we get stressed out and we feel, we feel like I went through this at one point, I don't know if you ever have, but as business starts to like, you know, there's an, uh, a change in the economy or, or the Google changes their algorithm and we lose like 30% of our traffic and with it 30% of our conversions and sales. Well, the stress happens and I feel as though I have to really focus on the business and why am I going to take a bath right now? Why am I going to focus on hydration or affirmations or why am I going to focus on my journaling when I really need to be focusing on my business over here? It's like, it's counterintuitive. Mm. So getting in the practice of doing the things that take care of our, our mental and emotional and spiritual health when it's difficult or when it's easy sets us up for the, that habit to kick in. That way, when it is nothing but difficult, we're still in the habit and we still reap the rewards. Because it does seem easy, like it's a no-brainer. I mean, to people who practice these self-care things, we know the value, so we do it. But when you're faced with an economic downfall, when you're faced with uh, a fire that's happening, yeah, right? Like it's hard to not, to, it's hard not to look at the train wreck, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to take care of yourself. So practicing it all the time, regardless of what's going on and getting in that habit, I think is like, is key. So switch gear, someone who has a business right now, who are now need to, you know, shrink down their workforce, looking for new revenue streams, conserve their cash flow. What are some of the tactical things that they could do knowing everything that you know now? What would your advice be for them? Oh, I mean, what a great opportunity this is right now. Like what an amazing fucking opportunity this is for people to restructure and reorganize. I had 19 employees and had to cut down to four mm. at one point because it was things in the market changed that bad. And I took six months to do it and I went in the hole about $200,000. Mm. I really wish I would have acted sooner. I didn't have a worldwide catastrophe, a pandemic to, to light a fire under my ass. It wasn't okay that I did it because I was the one that was choosing to do it. Whereas this, even though, if I would, you know, a lot of these people are going to have to choose to cut back employees and cut back on their times and cut, cut back on different things. It's more understandable. You have more of a more wiggle room, more forgiveness because everybody is going through this to some degree. So I say embrace the shit out of it. I say right now, and I'm not saying it's a good thing to fire people. What I'm saying is go through 
your books, go through your assets, go through your culture and make sure that, that you, you find, figure out what is important for you to keep and what is important for you to get rid of. And I think when it comes to survival, number one, what is bringing in income still? Mm-hmm. Who is actually bringing in income versus who is actually contributing to the culture? Because you might have an employee that doesn't bring in a lot of income, but they energize the entire team. Mm. And then you might have a sales guy who brings in a lot of money, but he brings people down. This is that opportunity that I'm talking about. In that case, keep the culture. There are people looking for jobs right now and you can find a new closer. You can find good closers. You can find people that are going to be willing to not only do the things you need to do, but do it for less and to give you discretionary time so that they hold on to their job. Now, I'm not saying you should go out there and pay somebody. Real quick interjection, because that's actually contrary, contra to what a lot of people would say right now. So I, I love that point just made. Because right now, a lot of the people's advice is conserve cash flow, fire every, every non-essential employees. But the point you just made is, hey, there are people who may not be revenue generating, but they're morale generating, positivity generating, positive energy generating, culture generating. Yeah. You want to ensure that you reserve, you conserve the, the essence, the soul of the company during this time rather than just saying goodbye. You don't generate revenue, generate profit. Therefore, you got to let go. Is that accurate? Oh, 100%. See, the thing is, is when we hire somebody, when we start a business and you start to build your team, my belief is that we should hire based on culture first. And you can get into some of the, you know, do I want to hire based on human design? And do I want to hire based on, what is it, Briggs? Myers-Briggs, thank you. Do I want to hire on some of these things? But like, most of us don't hire based on the stars. Most of us don't hire based on culture. We just need to fill a job. I need a graphic designer pronto, right? Like, like the PA, the personal assistant that I said, like that will clear everything up. But if, if, if you hire a personal assistant, that's not in line, aligned with your, with, with your goals and with your culture and with your beliefs and your ethics and moral, like it doesn't matter. So the first thing that we should always do is hire a team based on number one culture and then number two skill set. like skill set should not be the first thing. It, it should always be like culture driven. If you haven't done that, now is the time to push the reset button. Just start over and get rid of anybody that is not a good culture fit. And mm. then only hire people that you can't afford, that are culture driven, that, that mm. align with your morals and your ethics and your goals. And then have the skill set that you require. If you do it that way, you're going to be surrounded by people that already understand you. And they already understand your clients because if you've done it right, then you're, you're, only your marketing should attract the clients that are in alignment with you, which means you're attracting clients that are in alignment with your entire team, not just with your team's ability, but with your team's mindset. And that's huge. So right now is the perfect time to do that. Now you might not be able to afford to keep your entire team, right? But, but this is going to show us where do we plug the holes in the boat, right? And if you plug the right holes, you know, you might need to change your avatar. You might need to start selling different products to different people. You might learn something about yourself in this okay. crazy situation so, we're in right now. So that's, so that's step two. So tactically, what can they do to rethink a way to repackage, you know, their business for the new avatar? Well, you have to be willing to let every single thing that you know go. 
because it might be required. Like your business, like the truth is your business might not be sustainable in this market. And if it's not sustainable in this market, is it worth doing in a thriving market? Mm -hmm. Right? Because if you have a, a, a business that is totally sustainable and thriving in something like this, you know, it should be like exponential in a good market. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to scrap every single thing that you're doing. You could just reposition and pivot your, your message. Mm -hmm. You might need to just pivot your message. Same product with a new message could be all you need to do in order to start getting new sales in. But if you're not willing to look at that, if you're not willing to grow, then you probably deserve to go out of business anyway, because there is somebody out there that's going to be willing to grow. There's somebody out there that's going to be willing to serve their clients in the way that they need to be served right now, rather than the way that they want to serve their clients right now. And if you only serve your clients in the way that you want to. So what's the litmus test? Cause they're all making critical decisions right now, right? Should I shut it down? Should I double down? So okay, well, what go would you say, sure. you know, should I, go should I, this is weak. Let me kill it. Or, this is strong. Let me double down. Hopefully in time, it will continue to thrive. Yeah. I think it comes down to what we originally talked about mm. on your list of like things I want to do and things I don't want to do. Are you, is your head and your heart in alignment with one another? Is there congruency there? And is the way that you are helping people solve their problems is your solution to their pro number one is your solution in alignment with the way you think and the way you feel emotionally and energetically. And if everything comes together and you know, you're doing right by your spirit, by your God, by your soul, by the universe, if you know that the product that you sell is, is ethical and moral and really will help people and you feel good about it, mm. that's all that matters. Then you go forward and you, and you, you, you owe it to the world to sell the shit out of that product. You must because what? you're in alignment with your higher power. You're in alignment with source. If you're not there and you're like, well, it has the potential to make a lot of money. A lot of things have the potential to make a lot of money. My first business I, I, online, I was selling Ginsu knives. I wasn't passionate about that. And so it went nowhere. But if, if you're able, if, if, if what you're doing is not passionate, if you're not morally and ethically and culturally like driven towards, you know, that space and, and your solution doesn't help people in that way. I would say figure out how to adjust and pivot so that you first, not your clients, not your employees, not your product, not your program, not your website, not your marketing, but you, that you are in alignment with whatever. Like I, I, you know, I'm God, I've got, you know, uh, the universe source, whatever it is that drives you like mm -hmm. get right with yourself first. And if you can do that, like this is a hell of an opportunity to do that. And it yeah. might only require a small pivot. Just look at the way that, you know, what kind of, how are you helping your clients? Are they becoming better people or are they making more money? Well, there's yeah. something to be said about making more money and helping their families grow and succeed. But like, can you do better than that? And if you can, do better. Yeah. Like analyze that shit first and then make decisions based on how, how to move forward in that space. Yeah, for sure. One thing I want to emphasize to people who are listening to this, who are watching this is that your business is here. Okay. So let me actually make a distinction. So for the venture back CEOs, founders who may be doing this in service of a big, 
payday, let's say, right? Yeah. Versus someone who's using their business as a lifestyle empowerment, right? So I'm speaking to the people who are, are designing their business in a way to serve them. Your business is here to serve you. You're not here to serve your business per se. So really think about the kind of business that you're creating and is it serving your life, your purpose, your mission in the world, your core values. I think that's the other side of what you're talking about in between the lines. You didn't say explicitly. No, but that's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's, it's almost like this. It's almost like the environment. Like, do are you in an environment that lifts you up? Or are you in an environment that, that pulls you down? If you go to my office, my old office in Phoenix, I had pictures of puppy dogs everywhere. I had like awards that I had achieved. I had my bodybuilding trophies up there. I had pictures of my wife and my dog everywhere. There was nothing in my office that did not add to my momentum. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where it started was my environment. And then it went on to my employees. I was surrounded by people that lifted me up. And then it went to my coaches and I was surrounded by coaches that lifted me up. And then my clients, I only deal with clients that like I want to work with that recharge me. Is your business serving you? Is your business recharging you? Is your business like, do you look forward to it? And if you've created something that drains you as opposed to something that lifts you up, then there's, you need to look at that. And I think you yeah. put it very eloquently more so than I, it was able to see in that moment. I like the way that you phrased that, but it's like your business should serve you. You shouldn't serve your business. I like that. Right. Thank you. So that's step two. Is there a third step for the business owners who are reinventing themselves for this new environment? You know, there, there's, there's a bunch of things that you can do after this. And I'm not certain that any one of them is more important than the next. I think having a, a good head on your shoulders and being able to weigh your risks and, and knowing what like matters. Because if some of us take risks just for the sake of taking risks and some of us uh, don't pull it together, we just throw money at things. And if you don't have a sounding board or if you don't have a coach, if you don't have, you know, then I think you might be taking risks that are not necessary. So it's like being able to prioritize what's important. I'm not exactly sure if that's like the third thing. There's, there's so many other areas that we can go into. I think the ones that we covered are the biggest. I would be curious what, what you think. What would, what would you say is the next, the next step that makes sense, the next, next logical step that somebody should take? when going through coronavirus and, and rebuilding their entire company? Is it laying out your assets and saying, what do I have to work with? Is it um, getting rid of your, your liabilities? Is it, you know, focusing on, you know, communication and reaching out to your clients? Cause we can get into marketing and we can get into finance and we can get into all kinds of things. I tend to stay in the space of um, personal development and, and working on me so that I'm, I can, help my clients better and coach my employees and exit transactional management and enter transformational leadership within my team. But what, what would you say is like the, the next thing that, that people should do? I'm very much aligned with you. Hence why I think there's a lot of resonance in everything that we're saying, but just, you know, in our own vocabulary, right? So from my point of view, we make what we are. Our external is a reflection of our internal. So yeah. the place to start is, let me calm myself down. Let me calm my nervous system down. Let me find some, find some more awareness 
of what's aligning, what's not aligning, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And then use that as, a, as, a, as an honest mirror to what's actually happening internally as well as, as, well as externally. Yeah. And then from that space, then conserve cash flow, right? And double down on what generates revenue. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then really take an honest look up core competencies. And then based on, and also look at who I want to serve. Like who, who am I passionate to serve? And then combine the two together to see, you know, what in my mind, theoretically, what's, what, what, what possible offers can be made in that area and then get into communication with those people right away. Who are my top yeah. customers? Get in touch with them. Well, first and foremost, that's a decent human being would do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also in terms of business, that's the relationships that you have on the top relationship that you had. And from those interactions and conversations, then new possibilities, new collaborations and new offers uh, could come out of that. And then after that would be, all right, so here's a proven an offer. Let me go talk to other partners with similar type of audience and joint venture with them. Right, create some kind of joint venture opportunities, and then you kind of grow from there. In my mind, that would be, yeah. if I had to break it down to step by step, that's 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 what I'll do. Yeah, I, I think I, now you're right in a lot of different areas. There's and like I said, there's just a lot that we can we can focus on. But one of the things that kind of came up for me as you were talking, it gave me a moment to to like listen to what you were saying and reflect. I think a big step that a lot of people overlook is creating processes creating processes that will add predictability in their businesses and creating systems that allow them to show up in the same way, in the same routine to prioritize the things that matter day in and day out. Number one, making sure that your first hour of the day is your most successful and most enthusiastic and intense hour of the day, um, which sets you up for the rest of the day. And then number two, going through like, okay, this is what, I'm not saying get, get OCD with it, but have a system in place where I talk with the team that I do have that I'm left with every single day and I lift them up. And then we focus on, you know, some whiteboard action. And then I reach out to a certain number of vendors or a certain number of JVs or a certain number of what, you know, have a process in place that helps you prior, again, prioritize the outcomes of the things that you want to have happen. Because if we, if we try to focus on so many of the things, it's real easy to get away from what actually is going to keep us afloat. Because let's be honest, you can have all the culture in the world and you can be, you know, a, a company that is uh, faith-based or culture-driven or conscious-based or, you know, eco, you could be the best, have the best intentions in the world. But if you're not, if you don't have cash flow, it doesn't matter. It's over. So I, yeah, game over. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's over. So prioritizing systems, putting in place systems that allow you to prioritize the things that matter the most, one of which is how do we generate cash immediately while still holding true to our ethics and morals and culture and, and provide value and truly do help people. I think those are the, I think, I think that's, that would be where I would go with my very next step, put those systems in place, not just for me, but for my, my team as well. So, so, by the way, can we go a little longer? I know that we... Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm here with you, man. Whatever you want to do. Awesome. Thank you. So, segue, switch gear for a moment. You had mentioned you may not have entheogenic access during this time. 
Knowing everything that you know now, what would you do given all the tools yeah. that you have? You know, one, one of the things my dad taught me early on, because I did this and then he's like, uh, don't, this is what he told me, don't ever offer advice. Don't ever tell anybody what to do. Just tell them what you would do if you were in their situation. Right. And I, I, I live by that. Right. And so like, that's how I, if somebody's like, what should I do? I'm like, well, I don't know what you should do, but if I were in your shoes, I would blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's, it's really easy for me to, to, to preface things like that. Okay. So here's the thing. I've got 21 years of recovery from drug addiction. I've done a lot of work. I've done the 12 steps countless times. I've worked with tons of sponsors, sponsees, business coaches, life coaches, nutrition coaches, physical coach. Like I, I have done the work. Right. And I continue to do the work by no means am I there. Right. But I've done a lot of work. And I think that. Too many people that are like me, which means afflicted with drug addiction or that gene or that whatever it is, go for the shortcuts. There is a time and a place for shortcuts. And then there is a time and a place to do the fucking work. Right now, I've done the work and it took me 17 years before like ayahuasca called to me. And I was comfortable enough after three years of doing the research and trying to figure out is this going to mess with my sobriety? Is this going to fuel my sobriety and my recovery? Will I consider it a relapse? Will I go through that guilt and pain and shame of, of relapse? Or will this actually not even be an, an issue? And after I, after ayahuasca called to me, I started researching and doing the work surrounding that because taking a foreign substance in order to facilitate some sort of entheogenic or psychedelic experience is a big deal for a recovering drug addict. It was a big deal for me. Uh, if you're if you're people that are watching are not recovering drug addicts and they're business people and maybe they have tendencies or maybe they don't i'm just going to assume that they don't right i think that the exploration of entheogens is, and for those of your followers and viewers that don't know what that is uh, an entheogen would there's a specific definition but my understanding is it's like a, a psychedelic but of god of God is the important thing. And you might, oh, I don't believe in God. And, and I, I, I do. I, I, I didn't, I, I mean, I did, but I had words with God based, based on my Catholic and my Christian upbringing. And it just didn't resonate with me. And like the Jesus died for your sins and that you're going to burn in hell was like so ingrained in my system that it turned me off to the idea of God until I went into ayahuasca and then specifically going into Bufo where I became God and you reunited with my spirit, reunited with all things love as existence and nothing else. Glowing and shining and floating, resonating light at the, at the frequency of God's love. So once, once you've had the experience that I had or for your own version of of that experience, it is hard not to believe in God. It's once you've become God, and once you understand that we are all God and we are all nothing and we are all connected and we are all the same, and there is nothing but pure existence and pure love, it's really hard to give a shit about anything else. You know, and then once you kind of step away from some of that stuff, it's like, okay, well, I do have to make money and I do have, you know, relationships. And, I'm, you know, like me, I'm personally, I can't wait to die. Like I am ready to reunite my spirit with the love of God. Like that is like, it's the most powerful thing in, in the imaginable. That doesn't mean I want to die today. I've got things to do. I've got an amazing relationship. I've got clients. I've got family. I've got, you know, business things that I want. I want to change the world for the better. I want to heal this planet. 
So while I'm here, I'm going to take the lessons, kind of like Burning Man. I'm going to take the lessons that I learned from my ayahuasca ceremony, specifically from my bufo ceremony, which if you've never done bufo, holy balls, but like take my lessons <laughs> and, and move, for, move forward so that when I approach business and I approach my relationship and I approach my clients and I approach my family, like I am doing so specifically from a place of love specifically with the intention of healing the world. And even if it's not healing the world, it's healing my country and healing my state and my community and my home and my family and myself, right? That's where it starts. And so do I suggest that people, oh, fuck dude, yeah, everybody should do this stuff. Just like everybody should work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, even if they're not a drug addict. If you ever look at the 12 steps, they are brilliant and they are purifying and they are cleaning and they are so amazing. And so is ayahuasca and so is LSD and so is the possibility that psilocybin and peyote and, and Palo Santo and all of these other things. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Appears to be a shark eating something. Wow. I got, wow. I got totally fucking distracted because I looked up and I saw. Okay. See that that's how ayahuasca works. When when I'm in ayahuasca and I and I heal, like the animals in the jungle start chirping and releasing my pain for me. The wind rustles the leaves, it comes through my body and explodes to God. Like that is the kind of stuff that happens in these entheogenic ceremonies. And the healing is so great that it is nearly in my eyes impossible to come out of something like that and not be changed for good forever and let that permeate through your bones so that everything you do in life comes from a more pure more authentic more guided place mm -hmm. so why it might have been dolphins man but i don't know but like that's to me should everybody do it i don't know if everybody should do it yeah obviously if you're schizophrenic and you've got bipolar then there's some things that like this stuff does not work well with others mm. that are have situations but if it calls to you and you feel the need for growth if you feel the need for healing if you feel that there is something bigger out there that you want to connect to and you're not afraid of exploring the idea that maybe there's a power greater than us mm. then i say look into it see if it resonates find a facilitator find a shaman i know ck you do a lot of amazing work in this space and and like having again it comes back to having a coach because you can find an ayahuasca retreat that you can go to on the weekend drink some daimi one time and the next day you're back at work or you can find somebody who cares like like what you're doing and facilitate people for seven or eight weeks before with intention and after with integration and then during the ceremony itself so that you can approach approach it with a level of of respect a, a level of calm a level of uh intuition that somebody else might not have i think what you're doing is is very special because there's not a lot of coaches that are helping people integrate the lessons that they learn and helping them dissect their experience in a way that helps them live a better life so i think finding the right facilitator is also pretty important but Thank yeah i think i think people should do it Thank you for that. So I guess the question is frame it in such a way that, because I hear people say this to me and say, hey, CK, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to do self-care. I don't have time to do, you know, psychedelic journeys, entheogenic journeys. Right now, 
because everything is so destabilized and therefore this is the luxury of time and silence and, and isolation or self-reflection is is too much of a luxury right now so i'm curious to know your thoughts on how would you respond to someone who's saying that well i was there mm-hmm. and for me it was fear and control Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I didn't have the time. It's that I didn't prioritize the time. It's that I didn't value the experience that was behind the ayahuasca ceremony or the meditation or the journaling or the affirmations. It's not that I didn't have the time to practice being a better person. Is that It's that I prioritized being a busy person, being a stressed out person more than I did facilitating my growth. And so it came down to fear and control, needing to control things and being afraid that I was going to lose them, living in scarcity as opposed to abundance. So what I would say to people is when somebody says to me, when one of my clients, I always reframe it. And when they say, I don't have the time to meditate, what I say is, okay, so you don't have time to get downloads from the universe. You know, like I don't have time to do affirmations. It's like, okay, so you don't have time to let go of your limiting belief systems in exchange for something that will allow you to grow into the person that you want to be. I don't have time for, uh, you know, Epsom salt bath. It's like, okay, so you don't have time to show yourself some love and relax, but you do have time to live in a place of stress. And I think what people forget is like, People, it's the same thing as like people don't want to invest money into their ads, into their ad spend because they only see that they're losing 5,000 a month on ads. What they don't see is like the possibility that the ads can facilitate another 20, 30, 40 grand in sales, right? They only see the scarcity and the fear and the, the limitations. They all, so they want to control it by not looking at anything else. I like to show people what the benefits that they're missing out on are. So if you say, I don't have time to meditate, I, I say, you don't have time not to meditate. If you say, I don't have time to do ayahuasca, I'm going to say, you don't have time to connect to the most beautiful and pure source of potential in existence. You don't want to do better because that's what you're saying is like, I don't believe that this is going to help me. And it's my job as a coach or as a facilitator or as whatever, in order to shine light on the possibility rather than on the fear and to get them out of fear, out of control, out of scarcity into possibility. And if they can, if they can be willing to be willing, like use that phrase. So let me ask you, are you willing to be willing? It'll throw them off a little bit and then they'll be like, well, yeah, I'm willing to be willing. You're in. And then it's like possibility, possibility. What would your life be like if you didn't have this? What would it be like if you had this? What would you gain by having this? What would you, you know, lose? How, what would improve? What would, you know, and then have, go through that practice so that they can really understand the value of these things. Because why the fuck do you want to live in stress and keep doing the same stupid shit you've been, you've been doing it for so long. Why not take a week? You're going to lose the entire company in a week. You're not that important. You're really not. We're all going through this shit right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like become important, prioritize yourself and the possibilities of the outcomes that, that I might be putting in front of you right now. And if it doesn't resonate, then they don't resonate with me as a client. And then I did my poor job of marketing to them in the first place, because I only want to work with people that want to improve themselves. You know, it's my avatar is somebody who cares about personal growth and personal development. Yeah, they're, you're selecting them as much as they're selecting you, right? Some people matching relationship. Well, and I mean, you, yeah. mm-hmm. 
Go ahead, go ahead, please. To your point earlier, what I say is this. I love the uh, urgency versus importance quadrant. And most people will focus on the urgent and important quadrant or the urgent and not important quadrant. Yeah. But in my mind, this is the time to focus on the not urgent and important quadrant. Because if you really think about it, most of the thing that's really important to us are not necessarily urgent. It's never convenient to get into a relationship. It's never convenient to get married. It's never convenient to have kids. It's never convenient to your point earlier about the improvement of your business infrastructure, the systems, the processes, the, the looking at the culture, the really leaning in on who is the contributor of revenue, who is the contributor of, of, of culture, and then actually make a decision correctly. It's never convenient to, to do any of those things. But this is a time to actually double down on the important and not necessarily urgent things, yeah? Yeah, I, I think you're really right. And what it comes down to, I use the word distraction a lot, um, and people focus on the distractions, and the distractions is the urgency. Like, I got to do this now. It's like, if you only focus, if we only focus on the things that are in front of us, we're never going to be taking steps on the path that will get us to where we want to be long-term. And so by doing the Epsom salt baths, by starting the journaling and the, and, and, and the meditation, by doing uh, ayahuasca and in, in, a, in a setting, an intentional setting, right? Like go to another country and do this stuff. Go outside of your, like take the time and send that signal that I am important. And then by doing that, you're, you're focusing on some of like the, the important stuff and the long-term goals. And you're, you're, you're going to be exposed to things that change you forever in the most amazing way possible. And that will facilitate a long-term end as opposed to only worrying about what's going on right now in front of you because of this distraction and that distraction. And now there's fires in LA and now there's fires in Austria and now there's COVID-19 and now there's this, and now there's Google changed their algorithm. And now there's this guy, whatever, this is now the president. All of those things will always affect us. How do we choose to live our lives in the midst of all of this distraction? Do we focus on the distraction or do we say, you know what? No, there's bigger things out there. And that's what I'm going to focus on because these distractions, there was a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. I think it was, I think that's what it was. It, there might be another one, but there was a scene when they were going to go storm the emperor's castle. Right. And like they got through the gates and they got two man and a woman, they've got swords and they're chopping through like, hundreds and hundreds of the emperor's guards are coming through and they're just blasting them and they keep moving forward. They, they, they get through these guys all the way to the castle, all the way to this major door. And there's like a thousand guys with swords and they're just like chopping motherfuckers up and they open the doors and they go in and they close the doors. They didn't sit there and fight every single person that came their way. They didn't kill every single guard that was out there. They didn't spend their time and their energy chopping up guards their goal was to get to the emperor so they did the battle on their way through a thousand guards got to the to the castle opened the closed the doors and then it was them and, and then they got and they did their thing too many of us sit there and focus on killing all the guards and focus on the distractions 
and never take the steps on our path to get to the emperor. We never get to that. Many of us don't even know what that prize is. We don't even know that there's an emperor or a castle or anything else. All we see is Trump this and Sanders that and COVID and business and, you know, distractions and pissed off clients and pissed off employees and drama in the workplace. We just deal with all these things and we're, we're, we're left putting out fires rather than building an empire that we want to build. And so I think by prioritizing, you know, an entheogenic retreat, you know, working with a coach that can guide you through this, like these are some of the things that will help us help the, the, the long-term goals surface so that we can put a system in place so that we can put our left foot in front of our right foot and, and brighten our path on the way to purpose. And if we don't prioritize the retreats or the journaling or the affirmations or the meditation, all we're doing is swinging our sword at things that don't matter. Mm. What a beautiful place to wrap up. Is there one last thing? If, if out of everything that we talked about, we, we cover a lot of different areas. What's one thing, one last thing, if they can only take one action, what's one action they can take from this? Recognize that you are not a victim. You are a willing participant and, and you have the power of choice. Nobody can take that away from you. You can have somebody with a gun at your head saying, lick my shoes or I will shoot you. You have the choice as to whether or not you lick that guy's shoes. Now you might have to suffer the consequences, right? Will he shoot me? Will he not? But nobody can say that they made you do that. Nobody can, he can't say, I made that guy lick my shoes. If you don't know, you might get shot or you might call his bluff, but it doesn't matter. You have the power of choice. Luckily for us, the choices that we have in front of us are not as dire as a gun to our head with some psychopath. The choices that we have in front of us are business related, they're community related, they're relationship related. How do we choose to handle those relationships? Do we make choices that brighten our path and the paths of others, or do we choose to dim the path of others, right? It comes down to having the power of choice and choosing, choosing to not view ourselves as the victim in the situation, to own everything that we do, even things that might not be ours to own, taking action, owning them, so that we can move forward as a willing participant in this life. And if we do that, we get out of scarcity and we get into abundance and then we can move forward. If we only focus on the distractions and we only focus on the things that are in front of us that we don't agree with or that are happening to us, we're gonna remain the victims and we're never gonna move forward recognizing that we have the power of choice is where it starts and then choosing to move forward in a way that's in alignment with our hearts. Mm. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing yourself, sharing your story. Be so open and vulnerable about your past, your victory, your lessons. And thank you for really providing some frameworks for people who are dealing or grappling with the challenge of this coronavirus thing and helping them start their business or pivot their business and just offer so many beautiful lessons with us. I think there's a lot of part twos or part threes we can do, diving deeper about the self-care rituals, the macro diet. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to get this message out and thank you for just for asking me and for being so gracious. I. 
look up to you. I, I love what you're doing and I can't wait to, to meet you in person, whether it's in LA or if it's at Burning Man. I can't wait to spend some time with you in the real world. What? I forgot to ask you this. Where can people go to follow you on the mm. social space? So I, I just got back from that 18-week world tour journey that was cut short because of Corona. So I haven't gotten back into coaching, sold the company. I have a self-care group. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash self-care Saturday. You could just go to Facebook and do a search for self-care Saturday. It'll come up. There's like 700 members or something like that. Um, I'm not doing any coaching right now, but people have got, it's kind of like a waiting list group of people who are interested in working with me personally. Now that I'm back, I've only been back a week or so. I'm starting to get a little bit more active on there. And as time goes on, I will be launching a masterclass and doing some more things to, you know, so if, if people want to get in touch with me, just do a quick search on Facebook, self-care Saturday. And um, ask to join. Everybody gets in pretty easy. Beautiful, my friend. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you.